Good morning. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. Hear now God's word. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be pleased to come and do that work that we cannot do ourselves for your glory, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to be with you this morning. A couple of words I'd like to say before we actually jump into the message. Words of thanks. Uh, Tammy and I, about five weeks ago, got here from Montgomery, Alabama, Maxwell Air Force Base, and we're assigned over at McDill. We're looking for a local Presbyterian church, and we came here, and we just felt such warmth in hospitality. So we want to say thank you for that. We also want to say thanks for the focus on the authority and the sufficiency of God's Word and the good news of Jesus Christ that flows from that sure and authoritative word. And as an Air Force chaplain, I would like to say thank you to this congregation for allowing Dan and his precious family not only to be salt and light here, but also in the Department of Defense. We'll talk a lot about salt and light today. You've already heard it in the prayer, but there is a need for salt and light in the Department of Defense, just as it is in Western culture and any culture around the world. So thank you for allowing Dan to minister in like fashion, and thank you for your willingness to do that. Uh, The title of our message today is Our Kingdom Identity mandate. As I look at this text, the questions that come to my mind is, who are you? Who are you? What defines your identity? What is your primary purpose in this world? And as we approach this text I think the Lord is clear in that He would want us to know our identity and our purpose as born-again believers. There is much in the world that is competing for how you should define your identity. We even have a concept called identity theft. And this is an anti-identity theft passage. The world, the flesh, the devil want us to see our identity and our purpose differently from God as they are opposed to God, opposed to the kingdom of God, and opposed to your noble identity and purpose in Christ and His kingdom. Who are you? Our text answers this question. 
I think if we were to distill it down, if we were to put this whole text in a sentence, I think it goes something like this. Jesus directs us to operate the totality of our lives in accordance with who He is and what He is doing in this world. He would direct us to operate the totality of our lives in accordance with who we are in Him and what He is doing in this world, a.k.a. also known as the kingdom of God. Now, regarding this kingdom of God, the Lord's mission is to progressively transform the conditions of this world to match the conditions of heaven. We pray this, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about how much resistance and rebellion the Lord Jesus receives right now in heaven compared to what He receives on earth. Do you see the gap? And the kingdom of God is all about mitigating, reducing this gap. At this present time, God's kingdom work is spiritual. That is to say, restoration through spiritual transformation. Remaking the world by remaking human spirits within the world, men and women, boys and girls around the planet. And when the Lord returns, His kingdom work will be comprehensive. That is to say, restoration through eternal segregation, eternal life, and eternal death along with a glorious renewal and restoration of this earth and even the heavens, as we see in Scripture, the new heavens and the new earth. But until His second coming, until the end state, our union with Christ, and this passage is all about our union with Christ, a very deep and precious biblical doctrine but our union with Christ, our saving relationship with Him enable us to be, if you will, individual and collective kingdom embassies through which the Lord is at work restoring the world. Make no mistake, the kingdom of God is the Lord's work, but the Lord delights in working in and through our submission and loyalty to Him that He generated by His grace that enables this transcendent partnership that counts for eternity, that counts for His glory, that counts for our eternal satisfaction in Him. And it is within this reality that he indicates who we are in him in this text. And as a result, how we are to partner with him in this kingdom enterprise. What does this involve? I think it involves this simply, as we see in this text. Allowing Christ to preserve and illuminate the world through us. That's, a, that's amazing if you think about it. <laughs> In Christ, we are the salt of the earth 
or maybe let me be a little bolder. <laughs> in Christ, you are the salt of the earth. In Christ, you are the light of the world. Let that sink in for just a moment. Specifically, as it relates to our hunger being made in God's image, desiring to exist as He exists, with that hunger for transcendence, meaning, and purpose. You, in Christ, are the salt of the earth, and you, in Christ, are the light of the world. What He is, definite article, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, now defines our identity because of our spiritual union with Him. And just as an unborn child's identity and purpose cannot be separated from his or her mother during pregnancy, so our identity and purpose cannot be separated from God by God placing Christ in us and us in Christ. We think, about this, we think about this union, which really involves our partition, participation by God's grace in the very benefits of Christ's life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, His heavenly rule, and His glorification. By God's grace, we are brought into union with the benefits of who Christ is and who He has been for us and who He is for us in the world today. This mystery is amazing. Paul refers to it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, when he says, God has chosen to make known to the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The indicative is who we are in Christ, and the imperative is how we should live because of the King of God's kingdom coming to unzip us and get inside of us and to transform us and therefore to powerfully influence the world through us individually and collectively as Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. Jesus referred to it this way in John 15 regarding this great mystery of union. I am the vine, you are the branches. You see the union? The vine and the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, self-control, the very character attributes of God Himself. Jesus goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. Powerful statement from the Lord. And the necessity of Christ's presence and power in us is due to the power of our own sinfulness and the power of sinfulness in the world and our inability in and of our own selves to arrest it, to reverse it, to fix it. We need God Himself to do that almighty work in and through us. And just as the earth cannot fix its own existential 
and dependent need for the sun's S-U-N. <laughs> the sun's light and heat to produce and sustain plant life and animal life and human life. So we cannot experience eternal life and be conduits of eternal life for others without God's Son operative within us. What would this earth be like without the light and the heat from the sun? It would be dark, it would be cold, and it would be dead. And so it is with us regarding our dependency upon Christ and this marvelous grace that He's given to us by placing us in union with Christ. We can do nothing. The bad news is we can do nothing of eternal significance without Christ. But the good news is, with Christ in us, the impossible can be accomplished in accordance with His plans and His purposes. Apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians 3, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. <laughs> kind of begs the question, if we think about ecclesiology today, you know, how do we define kingdom ministry foundationally? How do we define solid, effective, successful kingdom ministry foundationally? Is it found in proven programs? Is it found in uh, how we exploit and use social media? Is it found in styles of worship? Is it found in the right homiletics or the right facility? Or is it Christ's Word and Spirit working in and through His people for spiritual resurrection and spiritual transformation one heart at a time around the globe. And as we know, as we look at news and as we're tracking reports, there's places in the world, even right now, where the amplification of God's Spirit is amazing. And I think about Africa, for example. And back in March, how I was able to go to Africa and see what the Lord was doing in that place. And was that human effort? No, that was God working through human effort to accomplish and expand His kingdom in that place. Amazing, beautiful. The eternal solution for us in this world is not human intellect. It is not artificial intelligence. It is not the latest international relations theory. It is Christ's power working through His Word, through His body. Philip Schaff, German theologian back in the 1800s said, Born in a manger and crucified as a malefactor, Jesus controls the destinies of the civilized world and rules a spiritual empire which embraces one-third of the inhabitants of the globe. End quote. I think the salt and light metaphor is helpful for us as we consider the Lord's work of restoration in this world through His work of preservation, that is the retardation of moral decay by His righteousness being treasured and lived out, and by His work of illumination, the dissemination of His truthful wisdom being treasured and lived out in this beautiful 
yet fallen world. We do not have to look far to see and feel the effects of our dark and decaying world, empowered by the enemy, seeking to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God says is good. We see it judicially. We see it politically, financially, religiously, socially, relationally. We see it universally. And Jesus in John 3 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil, here's a strong word, hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. As I think about our current culture, Western culture and American culture around the world, I think as I specifically, as I think about this metaphor, I think about being raised in the summers on my grandfather's farm uh, way back in the <clears throat> 70s. Um, <laughs> and we didn't have a lot of refrigeration back then. And how I would watch my grandfather use salt and would literally rub it into the meats, not only for seasoning, but to prevent decay and putrefaction to sustain that meat and actually to make it affect the taste of that meat. And then he would hang it. And it also makes me think about when we would come home from church on Sunday evenings and there was no artificial light way out on this farm. And uh, especially if it was an overcast evening and he would pull into his little garage and it was uh, from the garage to the house. It was approximately 30 or 40 yards. And when he would cut the headlamps off on that truck, I can't even see my hand. It was so dark. And he would reach over in the glove box and pull out his little flashlight and cut it on. And I was amazed at how bright, this is pre-LED flashlight, by the way. Uh, I was amazed at how powerfully bright that little flashlight was in the midst of all of that darkness and how it aided us from walking to, aided us in walking from the garage to the house so that we didn't stumble and we didn't fall along the way. God's salt and God's light. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. You see, there's an irrationality for darkness, for sin, and for evil. I wonder, have you seen any self-defeating beliefs and behaviors in our world as of late? as a result of darkness. The Lord's light, His truthful wisdom through us, given the growing darkness, will draw resistance. Or we would say in the military, it will draw fire. Remember, darkness hates the light, right? It will draw resistance, but will greatly aid those walking in darkness, not seeing the dark dangers ahead of them. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As we think about the impact of God's salt and light, God himself within us at work, there's individual kingdom impact and there's collective kingdom impact. 
As we think about individual kingdom impact in every life category, the Lord is looking to reverse the effects of spiritual corruption by reversing the effects of sin, by reversing the effects of darkness in our hearts and those in our sphere of influence. It is here that I think about Moses, for example, coming off Mount Sinai. He's been in close proximity with the holiness that you talked about, the holiness that Dan talked about, holy, 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 getting Lord's truthful wisdom in the law and coming down off the mountain and being in such close proximity with God. It was like the glory of God. God's light life was affixed to his face. And what did the people say to Moses? Cover your face. It reminds us of something that's very uncomfortable, right? But that was God's lifelight emanating on Moses. And as we think about the new administration of the covenant and the fullness of this covenant and how God has written his law in our heart and how through justification and God's blood and obedience, we are brought into right relationship and he can enter us and enlarge his light life in us. He did it in the Old Testament. He does it in a larger capacity in a new administration of the covenant. Think about what that looks like. I know Tammy and I usually go on Saturdays, we'll go out for a date breakfast. And I started noticing this back in about 2015, but we were at a restaurant and there were many wait staff in that restaurant and they all look typically like me in the morning, like in need of caffeine, like what a sour puss, right? But there was this one lady in there and she was just emanating life. And it wasn't that she was not even talking. I mean, it was just emanating from her. And she just happened to come over to our table. And I felt bold enough. And you know, Presbyterians, we don't do this. We don't get in anybody else's business, right? But this day, I was like, man, this lady is emanating life. And I just asked her, I said, ma'am, how long have you been walking with the Lord? You know what she did? She already had a big smile. It then touched her ears, right? And then tears came down and she said, how did you know? I said, how would I not know? Look around. <laughs> the fullness of God's joyful light life and life peace within her. The law of God is good news. Sanctification is good news as God enlarges His righteousness within us and as He enlarges our love for His law and the application of His law in our lives because we're not under its curse. And that was the case for this woman. I did this recently, and I don't want to labor this point, but in my new unit, there's a Marine major that walks around, and I've just been watching him, and he's got an aroma, that aroma that 2 Corinthians talks about. And I went up to him the other day, and I said, of course, he's like six foot seven, a foot taller than me, and I said, hey, how long have you been walking with the Lord? He said the same thing. How did you know? And I explained to him how I know. Have you noticed today how it's easier to identify those who have the light life of God within them? Amazing. Regarding collective kingdom impact, the body of Christ, the mitigation of decay is seen in establishing higher education, universities, hospitals, orphanages, humanitarian relief efforts, principles for just warfare. And even as we've seen the seeds of the abolition of slavery, and even as we're seeing now rightly, 
the working against human trafficking. There's even a movie out right now about that very thing and the ideal of justice. But note the purpose of salt is not storage. The purpose of salt is not to keep it in the shaker. The purpose of light is not concealment, but illumination. But again, note, and this is normal for us, the world, the flesh, and the devil are standing against Christ's salt and light being disseminated through you. And here's why. Because as God's salt and light enlarges within you, there is an associated joy and peace connected with it, and you grow with it. And people will see it just as I saw it in IHOP in 2015. That doesn't mean our life's perfect, but people will be able to see it. It's like an aroma, and people will start, and they'll come ask you questions about it. Because there's nothing in this world that provides what they will see in your spirit coming through your face and through the expressions of your life. And the enemy hates it. And what they will see is the very words, taste and see that the Lord is good. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. There's nothing in this world or the next that satisfies like Christ. He is the sum source of what we're truly hungry for. But the normality of spiritual warfare is not only okay, it can be joyful. The normality of warfare can actually be joyful given the Lord's victory over it and the designed end state for it. Now, if you look up just two verses in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10 and 12, notice what it says. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Righteousness. Make it say saltiness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus said. Not because of you and you trying to be religious or being... No, it's because of you and your adoration, your loyalty to Him. Jesus says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Joy during warfare. As a last note, as we look at this text, I would want to say genuine believers can lose their kingdom distinctiveness, not their salvation, but they can lose their kingdom distinctiveness for Christ. They can lose their saltiness and illumination for a season that can harm the king's reputation in this world. For those who are unbelievers, they're always hurting the kingdom. But even within the church and with genuine believers, there are seasons in which we, because of spiritual warfare, we can lose that distinctive saltiness. As I think about that, I think about King David and his passivity regarding warfare. He should have been out fighting with his men, but he was not. He was back at the palace. And as a result of his passivity, he gave in to lust. And the lust generated into adultery. And then adultery generated into murder. All of that is in the context of spiritual warfare. But it is here that we need to be ready 
in accordance to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, to restoratively love one another. If you see a brother or sister entangled in sin, we are to go in a spirit of gentleness and seek to help untangle them. It is here that we need to also fight for our hearts daily by digesting God's promises connected to His warfare for us, His life and death, so that we could live forever. And this helps revive our fervency in our blood-bought identity. It helps protect us from works righteousness. When we slide into that place where we think it's our good works outweighing our bad works that keeps us in relationship and fellowship with God, which as Dan said earlier, perfection is the standard and we never meet the standard, which is why he had to come and to protect us from emotional self-condemnation. Oh, the enemy loves it when we self-condemn, when we forget who we are in Christ. So we may say, are we the true salt? Are we the true light? To what degree do we see and feel our spiritual poverty regarding God's holy standards? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. To what degree do we know what Christ has done for us in His blood and His obedience? God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we would become the righteousness of God. John MacArthur, quoting on this text, said, God treated Christ personally as if He committed every sin of every person who would believe so that He could treat every person who believes as if they've lived the perfect life of Christ. That's who we are in Him. And to what degree do we know the real change agent in this world? Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're like me, there's times that you'll say, you'll feel the weight of your sinfulness and you'll say, how could God use someone as sinful as me to be an agent of His kingdom in this world. It makes me think back to a Bible study by Tommy Nelson on the Song of Solomon. And a a member came up to Tommy and said, Tommy, why should I listen to King Solomon regarding how to conduct a holy marriage, right? Think about King Solomon's life, all of his marriages, all of his concubines, everything else. And Tommy Nelson responded back regarding the authority and the sufficiency of God's word and said, because God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. That's how great God is. Fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters, who are you? (laughs) What defines your identity? What is your primary purpose in this world? Your Lord Your Savior, your King says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. May we pray. Holy Father, thank you for this matchless grace. And Lord, as we prepare for the table, may we drink deeply of this matchless grace. And may we center our hearts upon you. As we go out this week, Lord, may we be faithful to draw in close to you 
so that you can amplify your salt and your light through us. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.